Pastor Xavier Reese offers this biblical definition of God's servants. The word minister, diaconos, we get our word deacon from it. Literally, it means a waiter on tables. I am a glorified waiter boy, a deacon. That's what I am in the spiritual realm. I'm not above you, nothing reverent about me. I'm a deacon, I'm a waiter on tables. That's what a pastor is. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Limousines, cocktail parties, exclusive clubs come with exclusive treatment. But what happens when you become a member of the body of Christ? Today, Pastor Xavier shares the benefits of being a member of the family of God. He explains what those are as he brings us today's Simple Truths in a message titled, ministers of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 14, down to chapter 3, verse 6, and the message entitled, Ministers of the Spirit. Paul gives here three marks of true ministers. First is the consciousness of a true minister, verses 14 to 17, the consciousness. Secondly, we have the commendation of true ministers, verses 1 to 3 of chapter 3. And then thirdly, the confidence of true ministers, verse 4 through 6. Notice verse 14, the Apostle Paul declared true ministers understand that they are victorious in Christ. What a perspective. Listen to the words. Now thank be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Paul is referring to his preaching of the gospel. God opened great doors in verse 12. But first thing to note is that the victorious outcome of Paul and other true ministers did not take place. This victory did not take place without difficulties, obstacles, or disappointments. As he's just mentioned in verse 12 and 13 at Troas in Macedonia. He was anxious. He didn't know what was going on. Second, the victorious outcome is always due to God leading the true minister, evident that Paul was led with an open door, Troas, Macedonia, and met up with Timothy there. But then thirdly, the sphere in which this victorious triumph is accomplished and judged to be so is in Christ, not in the circumstance, not in the situation. Paul stated that the proclamation of the gospel is the work of God. He used the phrase, through us, indicating God working in and then through us to others. It's always in me first and out. Very important. Secondly, look at one through three. The commendation of ministers. In verse one, the apostle Paul declared faithful ministers do not need to rely on the approval of man. So simple again. Paul asked the Corinthians rhetorical question about their ministry to them. Did they need to persuade them about their trustworthiness? Do we begin to commend ourselves? The word commend there means to present or introduce evidence of their service as ministers. They had preached the gospel to them. They established the church. What else do they want? Then Paul asked Corinthians a second rhetorical question. Again, these have obvious answers about their ministry to them, that they need reference letters from others? Or do we need, as some other epistles, of commendation 
to you? Do we need others to persuade you about us and convince you to trust us? The some others are the same as the many in verse 17 of the previous chapter. In verse 17 there. These Judaizers had apparently come with letters of commendation from the elders of Jerusalem, supposedly. Uh, and we do know they were Jews because in chapter 11, verse 22 of this letter, he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. And see, Paul wasn't too impressed with the church of Jerusalem. <laughs> in fact, he went up to Antioch to do the work of God. <laughs> because the Jerusalem church didn't have too much of a liking for Gentiles. These individuals prayed off Paul's ministry. But Paul only went where God sent them. In fact, when we get to chapter 10, verse 13 through 16, Paul says, listen, I haven't gone beyond the measures that God has sent me. We haven't planted another man's foundations. In other words, these Judaizers dogged Paul's ministry and took over the work of Paul and tried to change into Judaism. Paul had written reference letters, as you know. Phoebe, Romans 16.1. Later on, he'll write a letter in chapter 8, verse 11. He'll make mention. Colossians 4, 7 through 8, he wrote a letter. It's a commendation. Now, Notice Paul asked the Corinthians the third rhetorical question about their ministry to them. Did they need their approval or letters of commendation from you? The false teacher has slandered Paul of not being a genuine apostle. Certainly he wasn't one of the 12, the original, so they probably used that. Paul didn't come with letters from Jerusalem, and apparently they did. But Jesus approved Paul. In fact, Jesus sent Paul. When Paul got to Corinth in Acts 18, 9 through 11, Jesus appeared to him because he was free, afraid. He said, Paul, stop being afraid. No one's going to harm you. I have many people in the city. And he stayed for 18 months and he established the church. Why? Because Jesus sent him, anointed him, and did the work through him. He didn't build on somebody else's foundation. He didn't, he didn't try to impress many. He just did what God called him to do. Here is the problem with so many ministers today. This is not boasting, I'm telling you, 39 years of living it. I have done nothing in this ministry to make it go. In fact, I can tell you a hundred reasons why it shouldn't go. The false teachers had forced Paul to boast as they attempted to build on his ministry. He will go through it. We'll move in chapter 4, chapter 6, chapter 10, chapter 12. He deals with them all the time. He reveals to us his sufferings in chapter 4. He reveals the difficulties. Now look at verse 2. The Apostle Paul declared faithful ministers rest on the fruit of their preaching. Again, very simple. Paul stated the Corinthians were their very own living epistles. You are our epistle written in our hearts. He tears his heart open to reveal his love for them. This second epistle should be memorized by pastors. This is the heart of a pastor, a shepherd. Letters of paper and ink are not always true, and letters at times promise more than they can deliver. He confesses the impression they had made in their hearts. The Corinthians were the evidence of their ministry, indelibly and permanently engraved by the present perfect tense here, in the inner witness of their hearts. There have been blood, sweat, and tears, emotions, relationships, experiences. Paul told them they were the seal of his apostleship in the Lord in 1 Corinthians 9.22 already. They remembered who they had been, an aroma of life leading to life to those who accepted Christ the gospel. <laughs> Notice Paul stated also 
The Corinthians had been truly transformed through their ministry at Corinth, known and read by all men. The Corinthians had demonstrated publicly their sinful lifestyle had been changed. They comprised the most debauched part of society in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Fornicators, adulterers, thieves, liars, effeminates, homosexuals, but you were cleansed, you were washed. That's what the gospel does. You cannot say you used to be a fornicator, now you're a Christian and you still fornicate. You cannot say I used to be a homosexual and now I'm still a homosexual, I'm a Christian. No, you're a liar. You change, you transform. God changes your heart. Conforming to the image of Christ as he told in 1 Corinthians 6.11. The families, friends, acquaintances all witness the change outwardly. Evidence of what happened inwardly. The word there to know, gnosko, means to perceive, comprehend, and to learn. Read means to distinguish between, recognize accurately. In other words, the whole process of the thinking process. I'm looking, I'm assimilating, I'm accommodating, I'm concluding. I make a conclusion by what I see, hear, touch. Some did the same thing to your life. Your family members, your friends, they knew who you were, and all of a sudden, here you are, clothed and sane. So what the heck happened to you? Just as epistles were to be read to the entire church, Colossians 4, 16 and others, these individuals were being read by all society. Some of you, you're the only epistle some people are going to read. Some of your family members. Some of the people you work with. I'll never reach them. Some of the parents that your kids play soccer with and baseball and basketball with. Your neighbor. Notice this was confirmed by all men, those at Corinth. Those who knew them before Christ. Then in verse 3, Paul the Apostle declared faithful ministers will not contaminate the message. That's good. Listen, Paul stated the Corinthians were the product of Christ. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ. They were not disciples of Paul, they were not disciples of Judaism. They were disciples of Christ. The phrase, clearly, you are means to make manifest or to appear. It's very evident. You stand next to your father and a guy goes, man, you're a spitting image of your father. Paul is saying, man, you're a spitting image of Christ. Not of Paul. They were known and read of all men, he said. Christ was the author, the author and the message of the gospel. Then Paul stated the Corinthians had been evangelized by Paul and the others. Again, manifest, ministered by us, written not within, but by the spirit of the living God, Silas, Timothy, and others. Priscilla and Aquila were there also, Acts 18, 1 through 5. They had been vessels having been led by God. Through them, the gospel had been diffused as a fragrance of God. God's knowledge in every place. Inscribed notice, not by human hands, as a mere letter with ink on paper, but the product of the Spirit of the living God. The scribe had been the Holy Spirit. That's so important for ministers to remember that and to understand that only God can deal with the heart. Only God can change lives. Then notice Paul stated, he did not give the law of Moses written on stones to the Corinthians, but the gospel of grace and the spirit of God wrote on tables of flesh their hearts. Not on tables of stone, but tables, tablets of flesh. That is the heart. 
The Corinthians had not been the recipients of an external law, but had been recipients of an internal witness of the Holy Spirit, the good news. The Corinthians, in contrast, had been touched by the power of God's Spirit, changing their hearts from the inside. They had experienced a work of God. If you are praising the teacher and preacher, I feel sorry for you. Now, if you thank God for them and pray for them, I can understand that, and that's good. But they're just like you. No different. Listen to Malachi 3.16. This is a great illustration about the commendation has come from God. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. God's commendation is greater than man's. Man. Ministers are to look to their own ministries to see if God is commending them and not be so worried about what men say or think about them and the politics that goes on with ministers and by ministers. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, for we dare not class ourselves to compare ourselves with those who commend themselves But they measure themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Paul puts it this way at the end of the book, chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. He says, now, for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. I will very gladly spend and be spent for your soul, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. This is what a pastor is supposed to do. Just like you men are fathers. You do what you have to do for your children, regardless of what they say, what they do, what they call you, what they think about you. Where they say, I'm leaving home, I'm never coming back. You're not my father, I hate you. It's okay. You remain head of your home. You pray for your children. But you remain to be a true father. You don't cave in. You don't compromise. You hold the mark. You set the standard. Ministers should not settle for mere outward formality or regimentation. They must always look to the transformation of the heart. Jeremiah 17:9, Matthew 15:19. A heart's deceitful, desperately wicked, from it comes fornications, adultery, envy, so on and so forth, by the words of Jesus. The target of the gospel is the heart, not the head. You want to go target shooting? Aim for the head. You preach the gospel only for the heart. <laughs> the heart. The commendation of a true minister is his credibility by God. Notice thirdly, verse 4 through 6. The apostle Paul declared in verse 4, the minister's confidence is in God now. Very clear. And we have such trust through Christ towards God. Paul and the other ministers were fully aware of the capacity of God to do the work and their own incapacities. The word trust means confident reliance. The word is use of his confidence, a love for them in chapter 1, verse 15. It will be used two more times in 8.22 and 10.2. A complete dependence for everything, the message, the anointing, the sending, the directing, the guiding, the illumination, the message, the work, the transformation, the conviction, everything. 
It can be so easy. Well, you know, I've got it together, and I, you know, I start to depend on my own experience and ability to understand and, and articulate and proclaim and to speak. Oh, no. God help us. Paul and the others as ministers were aware that their access to God was through Christ. Notice that. Don't miss that. Christ being the mediator, the article is present. The Christ declaring Jesus as the one promised from all eternity to redeem man. As ministers, Paul already declared that God led them always into triumph in chapter 2, verse 14. And it never depended on the outcome or the circumstance. The triumph was that God sent them and went before them. Are we clear on that? Now that goes for me, context minister, but you're ministers. And that goes for you as a Christian and everything. The Father being the goal. God has set out the plan for salvation. The Son became the channel to bring forth salvation. The Holy Spirit was the agent to illuminate the Word of God and administrate the transforming work. All three have been mentioned here in this section. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now look at five. Paul the Apostle declared the message of a minister is from God then. Paul stated they did not consider themselves as the origin or source of the gospel message. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. The word sufficient again means fit for the task, able ability. Now notice the reference to thinking anything as being from themselves means out from their own thoughts or imagination. Because we can be pretty clever and we do grow in experience and knowledge and all that. But I've got to remember always where I get that. And why I'm able to do what I'm supposed to do? Because of God. Nothing comes from human origin that's of the gospel. It's the Lord. And then in 5 still, Paul stated they knew that the entire process and product of salvation was from God. But our sufficiency is from God. The message was not theirs. The authority was not there. The conviction was not their own. The transforming work was not theirs. None of that. And then in verse 6, He finishes up, Paul the Apostle declared the minister's enabling is by the Holy Spirit. Paul stated they were conscious that they were being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. They were made fit to be competent ministers by the Holy Spirit. Again, the word sufficient to make able or adequate, competent, different form, but the same word. The word minister, diakonos, we get our word deacon from it. Literally, it means a waiter on tables. I am your pastor. I am a glorified waiter boy, a deacon. That's what I am in the spiritual realm. I'm not above you. Nothing reverent about me. I'm a deacon. I'm a waiter on tables. That's what a pastor is. They were made ministers of the new covenant in contrast to the old covenant. The old was given by Moses, the new by Jesus. And then Paul stated the clear contrast, not of the letter, but of the spirit. So the message proclaimed was not of the law, but of Christ. The message proclaimed was to be of the Holy Spirit. This was a fulfillment according to Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34, and Ezekiel 36, 26. Take away the stony heart, give you a heart of flesh. Not written in tablets of stone, 
but removing the stony heart. That is still yet to come for Israel. Book of Hebrews tells us that. And then Paul stated the reason for the new covenant. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The meaning of the law kills is that the law is holy, just, and good, and it demands perfection, absolute obedience. Therefore, it condemns man. Paul says that in Romans 3.19, guilty before God. 3.23, 9 through 11, Paul speaks about when I, when I, came, when I became born again, I, I, the law killed me. But Jesus completed, fulfilled the law. So I'm saved by grace through faith. He fulfilled it for us. I accept his righteousness in my place. The law could not keep man because of the weakness of the human flesh, our sin nature. Romans 8, 1 through 3. Now this verse, the letter kills, has been abused. Especially South America, Central America, stuff like that. Many Pentecostal preachers use this. They say, don't you ever read the letter kills so we don't study. I just get up there and I let God give me the message. So there's more perspiration than inspiration. So a lot of foolishness goes on. Have you ever seen a little boy as that takes him out to learn how to ride a bike? And he takes him out and he's freaked out. But his dad grabs him and, and he puts his hand on those bars and, and he's going along and, and, and he gets all kind of, oh, and all of a sudden he gets so confident as that. He gets so confident. He, then he thinks he's riding a bike out by himself. But the only way he's able to ride that bike is because his dad has his hand on him. This is the picture of a minister. As long as I am aware and fully conscious that God has his hand directing the ministry, I'll be safe, and so will you. The minute I think that I'm the one riding the bike, he'll let me go, and I will eat it big time. Every minister should cry out as Paul. And I thank God. Christ through Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, 1 Timothy 1.12. What a privilege it has been to serve God for 39 years and you for 32. Every minister should always be ready to say to the people, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake, 2 Corinthians 4.15. Every minister is to allow the Holy Spirit of grace to direct and guide him. And their call, giving wisdom, to do only God's work without fearing accusations of being legalistic or loveless when they're preaching the gospel of sin, repentance, and holding the standard of holiness. No apologies need to be made. None at all. And then they can say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. Wow. The confidence of a true minister is his ability in God. And so, rather than Paul defending himself alone, he defends all true ministers by these three marks. Consciousness of a true minister is his accountability for the gospel to God. The commendation of a true minister is his credibility by God. And the confidence of a true minister 
is his ability in God. It's just basic, real simple. But how important it is that we understand it and believe it. Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the loving way to approach a brother or sister who's struggling with sin. And if you'd like a CD copy of today's encouraging study called Ministers of the Spirit, it's yours for just $4. And this will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. The title to ask for once again is Ministers of the Spirit. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. What is the essence of the Christian faith? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese. That's right here next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com